Oakley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports, presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize, proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. With about four minutes to go in the third quarter last night, Ish Wainwright of the Suns and Anyeka Okongwu of the Hawks stood at the scorer's table ready to check into the game. As the Suns PA announcer in my duties, I hit the toggle switch on the microphone to announce the returns to the game, except one thing. The mic was dead. Nothing. Tried again? Nope. Fans are going to have to figure out you're in the game on your own, I guess. I'll admit one of the thoughts that entered my mind in a game absolutely dominated by the Hawks to that point was, if there's no working microphone to address the public, a public address announcer is useless. Can I go home and beat the traffic? There was a backup mic ready to go. Having capable backups is a good thing. A reminder the Suns themselves received in last night's 132-100 massacre at Footprint Center. It was pretty clear that the Suns didn't have much energy from the jump last night. They shot only 37.5% from the floor in the first quarter, only one of six from three-point range while trailing by three. The Suns started the second quarter with a lineup of Damian Lee, Bismack Biombo, Saban Lee, Josh Okoge, and Cam Johnson. That bunch played two minutes and 46 seconds together, and by then the lead had ballooned to 13 points. They couldn't score. They couldn't stop Atlanta from scoring. The bench's performance wasn't the only reason the Suns lost, but it was a big factor. In today's so-called positionless NBA, it's rare to see players who just can't put the ball in the basket consistently. The Suns roster currently has too many of those players. Good on defense or rebounding, but short on offensive skills. Torrey Craig has been pressed into starting duty at the power forward and has played okay, but he's not a player to be feared by opponents while the Suns have the ball. Biombo and Akogi are stellar defenders, certainly energy boosts, but incredibly limited offensively. When Saban Lee, who just came back on a two-way deal prior to the game Wednesday, scored the Suns' last basket of the night, a 19-foot jumper with 13 seconds to go that put them at the century mark, head coach Monty Williams shrugged his shoulders as if to say, where was that the rest of the game? As Lee was hesitant to shoot the ball in his 21 minutes of play. Overreaction to losses has been par for the course over the last three basketball seasons here in Phoenix. Last night's game was U-G-L-Y, and it had no alibi, but it was just one game. But with key bench players Landry Shamit and Cameron Payne still sidelined with injuries, it may have been another reminder to James Jones about another ingredient this team needs to seriously compete. And it came just a week before the trade deadline. That's Vinny's View. It's brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. Um, systemic issues last night mm. mixed with a max uh, uh, mixed with a lack of uh, of energy from the jump and those nights happen in the NBA. I'll choose to start the conversation with the first part. The bench. Mm-hmm. The bench has been at in the last 2 weeks alone at times decent, passable. Mhm. At times, absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. And do you agree with the I mean, there's a lot of guys that just can't score on this team. Without a doubt. Yeah, listen, and when the Suns get caught up in those games and no one is shooting the ball well, it's, it's, it's amazing how bad things can get and how bad things can look. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that, and it's it's one of the things on the wish list for the Phoenix Suns, right? Somebody who can take and make tough shots. Mm-hmm. 
You know, that, that, that's something the Suns also obviously lack without Devin Booker. And that is at the end of a bad possession, either you're being deed up real well or maybe you kick a ball or maybe a ball gets jarred loose. They don't have that. They don't have that escape hatch guy that can just take the ball, then go and create something and make that shot. Yeah, there was one possession last night where that was the possession for Atlanta. 22 mm-hmm. seconds of just bumbling around, and the ball lands in Trey, Trey Young's hands. Yeah. And the ultra-confident shooter that he is, he launches it up and banks it in yeah. and shrugged his shoulders on the way down the right. floor. Like, oh, yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. So, listen, so the, the, the rest of the games from this point to the end of the month, it's going to be an interesting time for this basketball team. As we mentioned, uh, Matt Ishbia, knock on wood, is still expected to be unveiled uh, next Wednesday, mm-hmm. uh, which would be February 8th. The trade deadline is on February 9th. The Suns are on the road until fe- the, the last game is Friday, February 10th on the road. So they're going to be gone while all this is happening. So the team that left Phoenix that you left if you were at the game and the team that will get on the road here to leave Phoenix may not be the team that comes back. And a lot of people are hoping and saying, good, do something, trace somebody, add something. Now, they're at the, the Devin Booker tweet last night before the game, very optimistic, rounding third. Yeah, he used that same phrase mm-hmm. in talking uh, with the media before the game. How do you feel? I feel good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rounding third. Got yeah. Pete Rose, where you, whoever's, whoever the catcher is, is bad news for them. <laughs> you seen that? You know that to Pete no, Rose? I don't know. Oh, he, he was in the All Star game and he bowled over the catcher going through, going around third. Did he? In the All Star game. Okay. Crazy. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. Look at Kellen Olsen educating Devin Booker on the history of baseball. Ray Fossey! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pete Rose! <laughs> Uh, rounding third. That is promising. Tuesday was the report from Woj. Uh, we, we had heard that uh, prior uh, from, from Flex from Jersey. If that, if look, if, if Devin Booker can, can come back in this extended layoff, which will reach 20-plus games by Tuesday, uh, if he can stay healthy the rest of the way, that's obviously a huge win for the Suns. Mm. But you're right. I mean, the Jay Crowder thing is still on the front burner. The way I view this now, I, you know, this is going to last until February 9th. We're going to be talking about this for a full week mm-hmm. with the Suns. Um, I think the way I view it, there's probably a, de- a fallback deal in place. And that might be the deal with Milwaukee. Yes. A similar deal yes. with what's been reported. And this next week will be James Jones trying to get a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Trying to At, get right. something that can help the Suns right now a little bit more than the package that was rumored from right. Milwaukee. Yeah. Keep shopping with Toronto. That's what I would tell James Jones. Yeah. Better than Milwaukee, in my opinion. But that's just me. Yeah, I know. Listen, so, so I think that uh, this, is, this has been a very, it's been a very odd season. We're 53 Oof. games into this thing. And we have no idea what we have. No, because we've seen, quote unquote, what we have mm-hmm. for such a short amount of time. Yeah. Last night, um, you know, on the good side of things, and there wasn't a whole lot of good. I have discovered that Mikel Bridges on a one-man fast break with the longest Euro-step strides in the league is nearly unstoppable. Mm-hmm. 
Mikel Bridges on a fast break with anybody else involved is an adventure and normally a disaster. It's definitely an adventure. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's very true. And I think he played no, a, de- yeah. a decent game last night. Yeah, yeah, I thought uh, so. DeAndre Ayton, I thought, looked comfortable offensively. He's okay. And he shot a good percentage, but again, you know, in, in a game with such little intensity from the outside. The bench was terrible. Chris Paul was terrible. Yeah. And they got nothing from Cam Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, and him too. Yeah, yeah it's true. Uh, Suns in Boston tomorrow. Boston! Brace yourselves. <laughs> Brace yourselves is right. Boston won by, what, 28 when they were here? In, uh, in yeah, town? yeah. Uh, and, and they and just... What they did to the Nets Oh, last my night goodness. From the outset. That might have been the worst nationally televised doubleheader in the history of ESPN. Great call. <laughs> Great call. That might have been the worst back-to-back games ever in the history of ESPN. <laughs> Four and a half, five hours of basketball pleasure. Of just blowout. Yeah. Complete and utter blowouts. Text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next... We keep talking about, hey, we're getting closer to a Jay Crowder trade. Are we getting closer to the Arizona Cardinals hiring a coach? We'll explore next. Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search. Update, update, update. The update is that they're not, isn't really an update. Um, Lou Anarumo, the yeah. defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. interviewing for the job yesterday. Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals, uh, interviewing today, according to reports. That would conclude the initial interviews for the three candidates that were added over the weekend. Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator, being the other. Um, but a lot of people now with three of these spots filled with Sean Payton, whom the, the Cardinals invested some time and obviously some interest in. He's the next head coach in Denver. So what is taking so long at this point is the question yeah. in a lot of people's minds. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So, I mean, and, and again, it's going to be very, very difficult for Michael Bidwell to unveil a head coach and claim with a straight face, we got the guy we want. This is what we were looking for. Mm-hmm. All roads led us to this guy right here. That's going to be a tough thing to do. Yes. And it's going to be a tougher thing to do if Vance Joseph is the default candidate because a lot of people feared that he was the leading candidate when this whole thing began. and. And I think there's just there's an overarching fear here, Vinny, uh, an, an ownership component that when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, the way the rest of the league might look at Michael Bidwell in terms of coaches who might want to work for him, players who might want to come and play here. Uh, there was a time when that was on the uptick and that was trending in the right direction. And I'm not sure where that is right now. And and I think a lot of it has to do with just how much he needs to be involved. And and I think that it would really be it would really be something good for the long-term future of this organization if he found a better balance than that and if he found a head coach he could kind of um, let take this thing for the next decade get find some real stability for the first time really in forever and and so you've got to realize that whatever the model is right now it, it's really kind of not working and if if you hire a third consecutive rookie head coach People are going to go, okay, are you learning anything here? Is anything getting through? That's a Robert Sarver 
move. And we all know what his motives might have been and what he was looking for in a head coach. And, and all that stuff scares people. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that Michael Bidwell took a big step. I know I gave him a lot of credit for, for stepping up and, and announcing that Cliff Kingsbury was fired and Steve Kime is not coming back to the organization. And, and I think that that was important. And I think hiring a GM from the outside, that was important. We don't know whether or not they whiffed on Sean Payton or Sean Payton used them. I'm going to guess it's the latter. Because I'm going to guess that Sean Payton looked at this whole thing um, and just said, okay, you know what? This is a nice little outfit here, but this is not big-time football. This is not what I'm looking for. And and so I just I think all of this is in the air right now because I think there's a realization. The reality of it is we all want Sean Payton to come to Arizona and fix all of our issues. The reality is you've got coaches looking at the situation going, all right, can I win there? Who is, who is going to be my quarterback? What kind of ownership involvement am I going to have to deal with? What kind of money and budget am I going to deal with? What is this new general manager all about? And then on top of it, if I crater in year one, which might happen if Kyler Murray doesn't come back until mid-November, what are they going to do with me? Am I going to get fired like Steve Wilkes was fired? Where is my security? Yeah. Um, and these are all heavy, heavy questions. It is, and a lot of people focus it. hey, it's all about the quarterback here. And when we say that, or at least initially in this process, that was at the at the front of the list. Getting Kyler Murray right. He took a step back before the injury in 2022. Getting him to where he was in previous years is paramount of importance for anybody who takes over this job, whether it's a defensive head coach who tabs the right offensive coordinator to work with Kyler Murray. Uh, I wanted to read this uh, because it's Senior Bowl week in, in Mobile, Alabama, so that's kind of a... That's kind of a convention of NFL people down there, mm-hmm. scouting front office types. Uh, Tony Pauline from Pro Football Network uh, wrote, Why is the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job taking so long to fill? If you are to believe what people in Mobile are saying, it's due to Kyler Murray. And it's not because the quarterback has a large say in the matter. Rather, many of the desired candidates don't want to take the job knowing they'll be tied to the hip of Murray for the next four seasons. Murray signed a five-year, $230 million contract in late August, and anyone who takes the Cardinals' job will have no options in the foreseeable future at quarterback. Mm. Yeah, well, listen, it won't be the first time Kyler Murray's been blamed by it for everyone's problems at, at the Arizona. Shut up, Jarrett! <laughs> It won't be the first time Kyler Murray's been blamed for all the problems at the Cardinals headquarters. He's the default scapegoat, Vinny, if you didn't notice. True, but, I mean, it's very possible that that could be the view. GM by, can't by draft anyone, can't draft. Look, hey, hey, it's this quarterback, man. I tell you, this quarterback, he's just ruining us. Well, that GM's not here anymore. Yeah. Well, so, listen, okay. You know, uh, to, to a degree, I, it's I'm a not arguing day. this. I, I will say this. I will say the quarterback component is definitely a factor. You, uh, Any head coach, that's priority number one with any head coach. But I, I'm just, I'm so tired at focusing on the negatives of Kyler Murray rather than finding somebody who can fix and exacerbate the positives. Yeah, and that's the task at hand. Uh, about I mean, you the- drafted him and you paid him. Yeah. <laughs> that's two pretty big votes of confidence, isn't it? You'd think. <laughs> about the uh, candidates that are currently in the mix, Lou Anarumo among them interviewed yesterday, Jay Feely, former Cardinal, CBS Sports NFL analyst. He joined Wolf and Luke yesterday and talked uh, about his thoughts on Anarumo as a candidate. You know, but there, there's some guys, you know, they got Lou Anarumo coming in. I think the world of Lou, I think he could be an excellent head coach. He's 
He's as good as it gets when it comes to defensive coaches in the NFL right now and scheme and shutting down the best quarterback. So there's certainly some guys out there that, that are very good that they can still go get a, a great uh, head coach. Yeah, we've been clear on our preferences and what, what the Cardinals should be looking for. Experience, mm-hmm. obviously, was, was key. So now you've got basically two options, in my opinion. It is, and, and the Brian Flores thing continues to confound me, but I tend to think like you do. If he was that high on their list and they wanted him, it would have happened by now. And and the Vance Joseph thing, as somebody pointed out yesterday, it's kind of curious that for a guy that might lose his job any day, the- theoretically, that he hasn't interviewed for any defensive coordinator jobs, that he hasn't pulled up a ripcord here and gone elsewhere. Yeah. So what does that tell you? And and if and if if the new head coach accepts the incumbent defensive coordinator, not a good sign. That's that's a head coach who is who does not have the authority he needs. No, but if, if now we're we're weighing these options or ranking these pote- potential outcomes on, on this search, Ben, mm-hmm. if it's Vance Joseph or unnamed first time head coach, what's your preference, right? Vance now? Joseph. Yeah, but again, but but again, I think either way, that's a big fail from the Arizona Cardinals. Not that Vance Joseph's a failure. But he's he's attached to the previous culture, and you are set, you are just not serious as a football organization if you do not just completely well, yes. take an industrial sized fire hose to the walls. And then in the the situation that you sort of implied there about a first time head coach and then bringing back Vince Joseph as defensive coordinator, we just that's did that. Absolutely, running it back. Yeah, we wow, just did that. Oh, let me let me add another wrinkle to it, another layer to it. Mm-hmm. If Vance Joseph turns out to be the solution for the Cardinals, would you have preferred them just to go uh, another year with Cliff Kingsbury? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, without knowing absolutely not, without knowing all you, the details of the dysfunction last year, because we don't, we don't know. Absolutely not. Of okay, the leadership, the play calling, the clock. No, no, subpar. I totally agree. Over his head. No, but I, I, I believe that there would people. There, there are people who would listen to that question and, and consider it. Yeah, you know what they're called? That Idiots. <laughs> Can we raise our standards here, please? I am just so fed up with this low ceiling sports market. I'm with you, but is it? It's not up to us to raise the standards. It's up to the organizations to raise the standards. And right now, it's a fail. And for the last year, it's been a fail. Wow. Welcome to Arizona. (laughs) Coming up next, Sarah takes us through the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Oxygen Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Very happy Thursday morning to all of you. Hello, hi, thank you so much for tuning in to Bickley and Murata Mornings, especially at this time, because every single day at 7.30, we tell you everything you need to know in Valley Sports and beyond on the Rush Hour Reboot. I'm Sarah Cazell, taking you through those stories with Dan Bickley. Hey! <laughs> hey! With Vince Murata. We're talking about back in five minutes. 
Just wait longer. <laughs> and Jarrett Carlin. I plead the fifth. Oh, no, what is that? <laughs> That's Tom Brady. I oh. plead the fifth. Oh, boy. I didn't recognize that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now that laugh I do recognize. All right. The Phoenix Suns lost by a whole lot last night to a the Atlanta Hawks. Lot. A whole lot. 132 to 100 to be exact. Uh, Atlanta hit three threes to open up the game. The Suns never led at any point. 23 points for Mikel Bridges on six of 18 shooting. Uh 20 points for DeAndre Ayton, 9 of 12 shooting. DA said after the game last night that felt like a total slog for Suns fans. He saw some positives in the loss. You know, a lot of guys um, putting their heads down and stuff like that, but uh, no, I've I seen good in it. I've seen us not deflate when they were making tough shots and when they were on their run and they were making a bunch of noise. And, you know, the road trip is going to be even harder where it's on their home floor. And I just love how we kept our intent on just, you know, just playing together and, you know, finishing the job. <laughs> Did you see what he saw? No. no. What I mean, do you think about that? On one hand, I appreciate the positivity. On the other hand, who cares if you deflate or not if you're losing by 32 points? Yeah. It's a normal human reaction to deflate when you're getting your backside kicked in. And again, with all due respect to DA and his personality, I just it, it listening to him it just it just adds to my frustration. He just yeah. he just says what you want to hear, and then he one day he's dominating, and I uh, you know what again it it's. I, I have ceased to be entertained by it. <laughs> yes, at first it was like, yeah. oh, cute little oh, kid yeah. personality, oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. inner child kind uh-huh. of thing. And oh, now it's definitely. Like, well, but, but did you see the score? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, something that Suns fans can take solace in is the fact that Devin Booker's return could be just a few days away. Yesterday, he told our Kellen Olsen he is rounding third in his rehab process. How do you feel? I feel good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Round and third. Go to Pete Rose, where you, whoever's whoever the catcher is, is bad news for them. <laughs> you seen that? You know that the Pete no, Rose. I don't know. Oh, he, he was in the All Star game and he bowled over the catcher going through going around third. Did he? In the All Star game. Okay. Crazy. Well, that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Yes, Kellen Olsen, wow. teaching him about baseball, about the memes today. I think that's how a lot of uh, uh, maybe newer baseball fans or, or newer <laughs> sports fans know about that Pete Rose moment because it's it's a meme. Um, so Devin Booker could be back as soon as Tuesday, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, which would be at the Brooklyn Nets. Will Devin Booker's return be enough to solve the Suns' problems? Will it be enough to get the Suns comfortably into the playoffs? You know, not like playing tournament or, or, you know, bottom six. Is Devin Booker going to be enough? I mean, it doesn't fix everything. Obviously, you get an MVP candidate, your best player back, a lot is going to be fixed. Mm -hmm. You know, we've outlined some other issues on this team today, Bic. Uh, Book covers up a lot. Book not being there is exposed a lot. But no, it doesn't fix everything. There's, no. There's still a lot of work to be done. Listen, I, I, I think, honestly, I think Devin Booker's return, if everybody else stays healthy and everything else stays constant from this point forward, uh, I think it guarantees the Suns make the playoffs and that's it. Mm. 
Okay. If he does return on Tuesday. It, it doesn't mean they win a first round series, and it certainly it, they certainly aren't my pick to get out of the second round. Yeah, so, and, yeah. And, and let's put it this way, too. If, if Devin Booker returns, stays healthy, and the rest of the team stays together, and they're not a top six team in the West... Changed it all up next, next yeah. year. Changed yeah. it all up. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right now, the Suns are slotted eighth in the West, but there are, let's see, one, two, three, four. There are four other teams that they are one and a half games uh, back of. So they could jump up to the four spot in the West with just a couple of wins and, and other teams dropping a couple of games. Yay, parody slash mediocrity. Woohoo! All right, let's get to the Arizona Cardinals. Who weren't even mediocre this year. Mediocrity! (laughs) Sub-mediocre. Sub-mediocrity! They are still searching for their next head coach. The team today is supposed to hold its third interview of the week with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Uh, Earlier this week, we had Jay Morrison on the show, who covers the Bengals for The Athletic. And he talked about both of the Bengals coordinators who have interviewed or are interviewing with the Cardinals. Here's what he thought about Brian Callahan. He's worked with Peyton Manning. He's worked with Matthew Stafford, now Joe Burrow. He has done a terrific job. There's this this sense that, that he's not a play caller here in Cincinnati. Zach Taylor calls the plays, but it's it's a shared duty. They 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 like to say they share a brain, and they do. They see things the same way. Um, he's really been instrumental in what this team has been able to do. But I, I guarantee when they walk out of those interviews or when they log off of those interviews, I don't know if they're, if they're coming to Arizona or if they're doing them virtually, but the, the Cardinals are going to be impressed both of these guys and that's what got Zach Taylor the job Okay, I know you guys aren't terribly impressed with that, especially because he doesn't have previous head coach experience, which is you know what mm-hmm. he's been kind of pounding the table for. Uh, right now, Vance Joseph and Brian Flores are the last two Cardinals candidates who do have prior head coach experience. Is there someone else out there that the Cardinals have not spoken to with head coach experience that you would like to see the Cardinals bring in? Hmm. I, listen, I know Not people really. have thrown Jim Caldwell out there as a name. Um, I'm kind of iffy on that. So, yeah, not really. He's yeah, got, there's, yeah, he's he's had some communication with teams in the last couple of cycles, and he's respected. But you know, would that would that move the meter? I, I mean, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. I want uh, in in a perfect world, I'd want somebody a little bit younger than that than Jim Caldwell. Sure. Okay, so if there isn't anybody else out there, then really we are just looking at Brian Flores and Vance Joseph and mm-hmm. hoping that one of them will be available and interested. Well, we know Vance Joseph is available. but Yeah, and appears to be interested, yeah. too. But the, the Brian Flores is uh, thing, that's still mysterious. It at, is. At this point of this search. Yes. Mm-hmm. It sure mysterious is. Mysterious for a number of reasons. Mysterious in that he's not talked to any other team, didn't talk to any other team about a head coach coaching opening. Yeah. And really, uh, you know, has interviewed for a couple of defensive coordinator jobs, but no second interview. If if Brian Flores is giving the Cardinals the stiff arm, I would really like to know more as to yes. why. Because that, to me, would be very troubling. A guy that you are saying, here, we are giving you a shot back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm good. And you guys mentioned it earlier in the show that he, you know, is working with Mike Tomlin, a great, you know, environment for him to to be on that staff with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. But he's not even the defensive coordinator, right? He's like senior assistant. Yeah, and the linebackers coach. Yes. Now. So the fact that a head coaching job would not be as interesting to him as sub DC, that's got to be pretty concerning. Yeah, but it goes back to the attractiveness of said job. I mean, Dan Quinn 
two weeks ago, you would have thought, wow, the Cardinals want Dan Quinn. They could probably get him. Yeah. He went back yes. to you know, being under the microscope. You're a coordinator in Dallas, Texas. That is a, it's not an easy job. And he's, yeah. he's had success there, but he yeah. chose that route. We don't know what the, the financial parameters were for him to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume he's making a ton of money to, to stay there, but... It, it goes back to the attractiveness or lack thereof of this job. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. And and so again, if if you want people to buy into, okay, Monty Austin Ford came in and said, "I got your guy." It's Brian Flores. We work together with the Patriots. We're going to bring the Patriot way here. Uh, you, it, it would seem you'd want to make a bigger to do about that rather than make it seem like Brian Flores is your last best option. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right, quickly, let's get to ASU football. It was National Signing Day yesterday, and ASU football fans are excited today. Uh, today, I should say. 247 Sports has them ranked the number 36 recruiting class in the country as of right now, uh, headlined by quarterback commit Jaden Rashada, whose dad played for ASU in the early 90s. What is ASU's ceiling for Kenning, Kenny Dillingham's first season in Tempe? Ceiling, Ooh. it's so hard to say. When if forty six new players on this roster, a lot for the of good quarterbacks coach. still going to be in the conference. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's compared to where quarterback play was in this conference two years ago. It's yeah. a night and day difference. I'd say a winning record, a winning record, okay. a winning record, and 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 a bowl bid would be the ceiling. Yeah. But if, if they can win more than six games, I'd be over the moon. Okay, so let's aim for six. You're saying? Yeah. Hope for six, rather. Which would be double of what, what, what they got last year. So we'll take that. All right. Indeed. Here's for high ceilings. Yay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just hit my head on the ceiling. Yeah. The ceiling is the roof. <laughs> That's is that, right. Is that what it was? Yeah, I, I think so. I think it was Thank the ceiling. You, Sarah. The Thank, Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 730, where Sarah takes us through the big stories of the day. Coming up next, some NFL hash marks and ripple effects from Tom Brady's Heartfelt announcement yesterday, that and more. Here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. So if he had played, you think that those would be one of the places that he might wind up, which would be one fewer spot that Aaron and the Packers would have to choose from. That's it. I mean, whether you consider that to be a factor on Aaron Rodgers or not, there's now one more chair in this quarterback carousel this offseason, whether that's for Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr or whoever it is, right? One fewer team now has an obvious quarterback solution. Adam Schefter from ESPN breaking down the obvious yesterday with the retirement of Tom Brady uh, that, uh, yeah, there is one more opening available uh, for a quarterback in the NFL with Brady calling it quits after 23 years. It seems believable this time that Tom Brady is indeed riding off into the sunset after he did it last February 1st. That lasted 40 days. Uh, he decided to come back. I don't think he's coming back this time. But, um, you know, it, it does it have ripple effects now on this. And every year we go through this quarterback carousel in the offseason, Vic. 
But Tom Brady, obviously, big ripple effect. Almost waves now because yeah. there were people penciling him in for San Francisco, mm-hmm. and that's obviously not an option. Anymore. No, there's yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so I, I think that stepping away um, from from the situation yesterday, people kind of began to absorb the Tom Brady experience and, and what it all means. You know, Tom Brady is currently renting a place that's costing him seventy thousand dollars a month. Wow! That now that's to some flex right there. Rent to what, rent. What are the yeah. uh, what are the de- what are the deposits? He's, on he's like building that? this mansion that's right on a causeway in in South Florida, and it's right on the turn of a golf course. So he, he's got this incredible lot that he's building a mansion on, and in the short term, he's got a seventy thousand dollar rental. And I'm bringing it up. For a couple of different reasons. Number one, Tom Brady as a quarterback. He's got this long, long career that we're all just beginning to process now because not only did he get to age 45, which was unprecedented, year 23, unprecedented, but that's six victory advantage over any active quarterback mm-hmm. that is that's that's created a lot of pressure in this game because all these quarterbacks you know this they all want to be the guy they're not that's that's how they're geared so Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen Aaron all these guys Joe Burrow Joe Burrow they're all looking at this going how in the world am I going to navigate a six Super Bowl deficit and Joe Burrow hasn't even won one yet true and Patrick Mahomes has one? Has one. And he's one and one. And he might be stuck on one after this year, too. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and so, so the only way to sort of get in his conversation without passing seven would be to be undefeated. Like, there's still people who say Joe Montana was 4-0 and in the Super Bowl, so he's mm-hmm. still the best. And Mahomes already can't do that because he already lost the Super Bowl. But it would be like, like let's suppose Joe Burrow wins four or five, but he doesn't lose any. Oh, but he already lost one last year. Never mind. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. You two continue. Shut up, Jerry. Thank you. My no, but goodness. You know what I you know what I mean though? Like I yes. hope you're gearing up for a good next week, Jared. <laughs> no. I hope you're pacing yourself. Don't uh oh boy. I'm I am pacing myself. Okay. I will say that. He's always pacing himself. But it's not leading anywhere. Look, it, it, it can't be a hundred percent surprising after what Brady pulled last year to come back and he's played twenty three years. The guy's in his mid forties for goodness sake. It can't be a hundred percent surprising. Mm-hmm. But Mike Reese, who covered Tom Brady for a very long time in New England is a bit surprised that uh, he's calling it a career. My first reaction was a little bit of surprise just from a football standpoint because I watched him and, and even though the season didn't go the way they, they hoped down in Tampa and, and Tom struggled at times, I, I still watched him and said he, he still had a lot to offer as a player and, and it seemed like yesterday I was reading about hey, could it be the 49ers? Could it be the Raiders? Back to Tampa, Tennessee like some even floated New England you know, as a possibility. So that part of it was a surprise to me and then the part that wasn't a surprise to me was just the idea that he's stepping away from a, for personal you know the, the personal side and, and just seeing how the season seemed to weigh on him from afar like I haven't been around him for three years but it seemed like it weighed on him a lot and, and that part of it didn't surprise me the reason that I believe he's ultimately stepping aside yeah I, well, and I respect Mike Reese we love Mike Reese on this mm-hmm. show the nicest man in sports media Without a doubt. I mean, you could watch a one-game sample, and you were at the game of the sample that I'm talking about, and that was when Tampa Bay was here on Christmas night at State Farm Stadium to take on, you know, guys in Cardinals uniforms. And it, <laughs> That's what it said. It was said guys in Cardinal uniform, basically. Uh-huh. 
Tom, you look at the numbers, 32 of 48, 281, a touchdown, two picks. He didn't look like Tom Brady in that game. He didn't no. look anything. There were a lot of... And by that point, you know, the, the, the Buccaneers win the game, I get it. But at that point, there had been so much beatdown placed on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers that I, maybe it was insurmountable at that point, but he didn't look like himself. No, he was starting to get a little shaky, and he was starting to to, to make ac- errors of accuracy that he's never made in yep. his life, and it was making those because he wasn't as cool and as chill in the pocket as he's always been. I, I find it fascinating... On this level. So so we know Tom Brady went through this incredible personal drama, which led him to leave training camp for the first time in the history of his career, something he firmly does not believe in. He is so much about not cheating the process that for him to disappear in training camp, to go to a pre-agreed upon vacation with his wife, that is something that veteran Tom Brady observers were stunned yeah. that he would do something like that. And now we know it was probably more of a summit than a vacation. Probably. Probably. Yeah. And, and for for Tom Brady to come to the realization that this marriage as it's construction uh, constructed is not going to work for me because I cannot stop playing football for the marriage to dissolve at the speed at which it did. And then for him now to have the rest of his life to play as much football as he wants for it to not even last more than a year, particularly when he could handpick his next team. Because clearly, you'd think the 49ers would be interested. You'd think the Raiders would be interested. He can pick another year to keep this going, and he's tapping out. And, and that, to me, if he reconciles with his wife, I think it feels like a happy ending. I think it feels like a guy who found clarity while looking yeah. for something else. But if if not, you just wonder what, what, what was the point and what was the long-term costs of all this? And, and, and was this really just a reflection of his unhappiness to begin with, that, that that being free now is what he wanted more than anything. And I bring all this up because everything Tom Brady seemed to want, he is now unplugged. And maybe it's maybe it's nothing more than him having the moment of clarity about football that, you know what, I am not the same. I, I, I'm watching myself on film and I don't recognize Tom Brady. There were a couple games at the end of the season when he was missing checkdowns. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? That, that's that's John Skelton stuff with all due respect to John. And you're like, what, what is this? And so maybe he looked in, maybe he took a long, hard, cold look at that and said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm headed for a fall here. I'm headed to, to being Willie Mays being thrown out at home. I'm sure Devin Booker wouldn't have any idea what that is either. <laughs> Tell him. him, let him know. Tell, Tell him, him come on. Yeah. Local historian, Kellen Olson. Kellen Olson, cluing. Devin Booker in on Ray Fossey. What a what a prepared journalist. <laughs> what an insider in sports. <laughs> in right. sons. The, the thing also with Brady is that maybe just like football because of his fall off, like you're insinuating, maybe it's just not the respite from real life like it was anyway. So maybe, you know, getting away from I, all his personal problems on the football this, field just isn't doing it anymore. This is going to sound weird, but, but the way he addressed the camera in that goodbye yesterday it it looks so intimate and he looks so vulnerable in it it was almost like he was talking to the one he loved and that's football not to get too psycho weird about this no it's true and imagine and, and he did that on the ninth take five days ago too <laughs> that's how that's how good it, and I that seems and you know and again give him an oscar then because yeah. like i said he looked a little sleepy 
but perfect. Does make people like he did had, a good job. He looked like he had a good cry, but no, no crow's feet, no cracks anywhere. Onions, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> right, fresh, but. A little unkempt it looks, by the beach. It looks so impromptu and intimate, and we're assuming that it's just Tom Brady sitting on a bench somewhere with holding the holding his own phone. I guarantee yeah. behind that phone there was a crew of like twenty five. The people. lighting. It's, yeah. it, you know who hasn't stood on a beach and looked at the great watery expanse and gone, "What have I done with my life?" That's what it looked like, Tom Brady. You know what I mean? It looked yeah. like he had one of those moments. So now you have to wonder how many takes did that take, <laughs> and how many fans were just just outside of the frame. Uh-huh. Like, oh my there gosh. Was, I haven't seen that many takes since I watched the filming of a dude perfect video, babe. How Whoa. many dudes in brown Bermuda shorts and black socks walk by <laughs> walking a St. Bernard during the taping? Why are they wearing guy with a, on the beach? An old guy with a metal detector yeah. just like walks in front of the camera. Ooh, yeah, come right to the camera. Yeah, right. Cut! Cut! <laughs> <laughs> Back to one, everybody. Yeah. Back to one. <laughs> All right, remember, you're yeah. sad. <laughs> you get the miss back on Tom's face. Makeup, come on, get over here. What's my motivation here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Frame of mind. <laughs> Tom Brady. Wow. <laughs> text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we're halfway through on this Thursday. Bick's kicking off the second half in style with the Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.